drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. The Feast of St. Ithodrida. In primitive England, a noble princess and daughter of King Anna of East Anglia lived amidst the dawn of the Middle Ages. She was not like the delicate ladies of later centuries adorned in fine silk and porcelain-like appearances. No, Ithodrida was strong, accustomed to laboring in the forest, tending to her own chores and caring for livestock. She possessed both the ruggedness of her surroundings and the nobility of her birth embodying the birth of a new era. Ithodrida was married to a, at a young age to Tonbert, the prince of Geirer, but despite their union, they chose to live in perfect chastity. As part of their marriage settlement, Tonbert bestowed upon her the estate of Eli Sadli. Just three years into their marriage, Tonbert passed away, leaving her widowed. Choosing a life of seclusion and devotion, she withdrew from the court and sought refuge on the island of Eli. There, she immersed herself in penance and prayer. However, the demands of the state intervened, and she was married again, this time to Egfrid, this young son of King Oswu of Northumbria. Though Egfrid was only 15, he respected Ithodrida's vow of chastity, but after 12 years, he decided to claim his conjugal rights. Ethodrida, having dedicated herself entirely to God, refused to comply. Seeking guidance, she turned to St. Wilfried, the bishop of Northumbria, who supported her claim and advised her to seek refuge in a convent. With Igfrid's consent, Ethodrida became a nun at Condingham Convent. However, her heart yearned for her home in Eli, and she eventually returned there. She established a grand double monastery, becoming its reverend abbess, and for the remainder of her days, Ithodrida guided the monastery with wisdom and grace, leading numerous souls to heaven. On June 23rd, 695, she passed away within the walls of Eli, leaving behind a legacy of strength, sacrifice, and purity. Her life embodied the grandeur and contrast of that age, blending the savage with the supernatural and extraordinary beauty. Her family was a court where saints were born with four brothers and sisters sharing her holiness and St. Wilfrid serving as their spiritual director. Even the two princes who married her respected her vow of virginity, perhaps owing to their devout lives. During the Protestant Revolution, her incorrupt body was sadly destroyed, leaving only her hand as a relic, and yet her spirit endured honored in a small chapel in Eli, her example in the Eli Abbey, the religious institution she established, were seeds that helped cultivate the Middle Ages. Her perseverance and purity, her sacrifice of royal privileges, and her dedication to God continue to inspire those who strive for the establishment of a civilization that brings glory to God and embraces the reign of Mary. St. Itodrida, pray for us. Happy Friday to you. You made it. Congratulations. You made it to the weekend. You survived. We made it Monday through Thursday, and now we've arrived at the last day of the work week. Now you could take a deep breath and say, okay, now I can do 
all the things that I needed to do this week that I didn't finish and catch up with it this weekend. So congratulations. Uh, joining us right now is Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. It's Friday. It is awesome. What a, a beautiful day of the week it is. I know everybody loves it. In Hawaii, we call it Aloha Friday, saying goodbye to the week and hello to the weekend. Double meaning there. Mm. And, is uh, that the day when everybody wears Hawaiian shirts, or is that just every day? <laughs> That's every day, but if if there, uh, it's usually casual Friday also, but in Hawaii, there's just we wear Aloha shirts every day, so you're right. I mean, maybe we wear jeans instead of khakis for <laughs> <Okay>. work. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, there you go. There's your uh, your Hawaiian history lesson for the day. <laughs> and we uh, maybe we'll do a, a whole show dedicated to uh, the uh, the clothing habits of the Hawaiians. Oh, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I, I love it. This, what do they call people from Hawaii? Hawaii? Oh, you know what? That's right. Uh, people from Hawaii. If you're not a native Hawaiian, because when you refer to people as Hawaiians. In Hawaii, that generally means the native population, which oh. makes up less than 1% of the state population. Well, there you go. See, more Hawaiianese uh, information for you, even though Hawaiianese is not a word. Uh, just made that up. If uh, Trademarked Adrian Fonseca. Just kidding. In okay, at 15 past the hour, <laughs> we're going to be talking about <laughs> a 12-year-old being a very horrible situation about what happened to a 12-year-old in New Mexico in a, let's just say, in a middle school bathroom. So we'll be talking about that at 15 past the hour. Plus, the House sends Biden impeachment articles to committees. So we'll see how that how that shakes out. Plus, everyone's talking about the submarine or submergible that was that imploded. And it's, it's very interesting uh, following the story. I, we're going to talk about that if we have time at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, we're going to be talking about the manual of spiritual warfare a excellent um book that just came out uh, published by tan by dan snyder so we're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour in the next hour we're going to talk about the act of reparation to the sacred heart of jesus we're going to pray this prayer together and talk a little bit about it because many people have heard this prayer before but i don't think many people know where it comes from it was actually written by pope pius the 11th and we're going to talk about that at the, in the next hour. Plus, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Today is a day when we give out the prize, and you could be the winner. So make sure you hang out with us in the next hour so you can have an opportunity to win this week's prize. We're giving away a Sacred Heart of Jesus t-shirt, so you're going to want to tune in in the next hour. But let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. We're going to pray for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life, whatever you are planning this weekend, I pray for you and your intentions. We're going to pray for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. And we pray, especially and during this month of June, for the virtue of humility against the vice of pride and for the smashing of the LGBT heresy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My loving Jesus, out of the grateful love I bear thee, and as a reparation for all my unfaithfulness, I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee. And with thy aid I propose never to sin again. Heart of Jesus, burning with love for us, inflame our hearts with love of thee. Let us pray, Lord, we beseech thee, let thy Holy Spirit kindle in our hearts that fire of charity, which our Lord Jesus Christ thy Son sent forth from his inmost heart upon this earth and will that it should burn with vehemence who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, God forever and ever. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, June 23rd, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting a parish in New York City that planned to have a, quote, pride mass, end quote, on Thursday at a federal monument with sculptures of two same-sex couples and groups of gay and transgender pride flags has announced a change of location, the Church of St. Paul the Apostle said in a Wednesday email. The Mass will still be held at the Church of St. Paul the Apostle, though. LifeSite News is reporting the world's oldest man is a devout Catholic. Praise the Rosary twice a day. He says, work hard, rest on holidays, go to bed early, drink a glass of Aguar Diente every day, love God and always carrying Him in your heart. The 114-year-old Venezuelan Juan Vicente Perez Mora advised. Catholic World News and APR reporting Pope Francis complained of shortness of breath and did not deliver a scheduled speech to an audience of charity workers on June 22nd, yesterday. The written text of the Pope's planned remarks were instead distributed to participants. And finally, 1440 is reporting debris found on the ocean floor hundreds of miles from the U.S. Atlantic coast is believed to be from a lost submersible that had been en route to tour the Titanic wreckage earlier this week. Experts believe the vehicle experienced catastrophic failure, likely imploding instantly under the water pressure of the deep sea. All five passengers are believed to be dead. Aboard the vessel were the company's CEO, a British billionaire, a Pakistani businessman and his teenage son, and an experienced marine explorer. Developed and operated by OceanGate, it went missing less than two hours into its dive and never resurfaced. The sub made earlier journeys to the wreckage site over the past two years, though questions have been raised over its design. The U.S. Coast Guard found the debris after searching a zone twice the size of Connecticut. They, <clears throat> may God rest their, their souls. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 23. Do not lay up treasure for yourselves on earth, where there is moth and rust to consume it, where there are thieves to break in and steal it. Lay up treasure for yourselves in heaven, where there is no moth or rust to consume it, no thieves to break in and steal. Where your treasure house is, there your heart is too. The eye is a light to the whole body, so that if thy eye is clear, the whole of thy body will be lit up. Whereas if thy eye is diseased, the whole of thy body will be in darkness. And if the light which thou hast in thee is itself darkness, what of thy darkness? How deep will that be? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary from Cornelius Alapide, he says, Lay not up the treasure, not for yourselves treasures, Christ here shows which are the true riches and which are the false. The true are the heavenly, the false are the earthly. Note the three modes of corruption. He says here the moth corrupts garments, rust, gold and silver, thieves steal all other things. Christ here calls men away from desire of riches by three considerations. One, because they are fleeting and corruptible. Two, because they darken the mind. And three, because they drew 
they draw the whole mind to themselves so that it cannot serve God for no one is able to serve two masters such as God and mammon. Now, many people may not be familiar with the word mammon. It's a word literally referring to money. In fact, it's kind of funny. Cornelius Lapide spends a, a significant amount of time debating on whether mammon has one or two M's in it. Um, <laughs> I thought that was kind of a, a very interesting uh, thing to, to uh, include in his commentary. But he, says, he goes on, he says, For where your treasure is, what thou valuest, what thou lovest, and delightest in, what is the dearest to thee of all things, on which thou spendest thy time and thoughts? So this is something to ask yourself, right? Where is your treasure? What do you love? What do you delight in? What is very dear to thee? What is the most dear to thee? What do they spend your time thinking about and spending time with? Is it all work? Is it all business? Is it all friends? Is it, what is it? Is it something that is other than God? Dost thou wish to know what is thy treasure, what thou lovest and valuest? Consider what thou most often hast in thy mind. If thou thinkest most frequently on heavenly things, then thou lovest heaven. But if of earthly things, then thy treasure is on earth. Like a mole, thou buriest thy heart in the earth. No man can serve two masters. Not only opposite, but even different masters. It is a proverb signifying that it is a rare and difficult thing to satisfy two masters of different dispositions and tempers or to belong equally to both. Christ applies this proverb to avarice and the religion and worship of God. It is impossible to be the servant of God and also of money. Wherefore, if you desire to serve God and give him your heart, you must tear it away from the gold and riches. Listen to the violence in which he speaks here. You must tear it away from gold and riches. This is Christ's third argument, and the most powerful of all, by which he calls away the scribes and all men from the love of riches, because it is indeed impossible to serve them and serve God. For either one will hate the one instead of hold to, Augustine reads, will suffer, will endure, and explains it to refer to mammon or riches, meaning that mammon is so imperious and a hard master. This is something to keep in mind. Riches, money, wealth, business, human respect, these are hard masters. Their yoke is hard and their burden heavy. But yet our Lord, he has a light burden. Let's take on his instead. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. 
G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. You know, even though, despite the fact that there are bad news, it's good to be here. Despite the fact that there, we live in a crazy world and there are much, much news out there that requires our prayers, our acts of sacrifice. Now, this story, I think, is important. The reason why I think it's important is because many people believe that this, these things do not happen. And so it's important to know whenever it becomes public information because these things happen very often, but we rarely hear about it. And so I think it's important to bring up. I think it's important to know about. We're going to try to cover this in a very uh, clinical way, uh, but it is a it is a very disturbing. Now, reported from Timcast News, 12-year-old reportedly raped in gender-neutral middle school bathroom in New Mexico. The alleged male attacker, who identifies as transgender, has previously been accused of sexually harassing other students. Now, the first thing to note here is that we have been told many times that these things don't happen. The only people who use the opposite bathroom are people who genuinely identify as the opposite sex. That nobody is going into the opposite bathroom in order to harass people. Now, the girl's mother, Maggie, reportedly discovered the incident had occurred at ASK Academy Charter School in Rio Ronco, New Mexico, from an October 2021 diary entry from her daughter, Ray, who was 12 years old at the time. Quote, and this is very um, disturbing, she says here in her, in her diary, I was raped, I was raped, I was raped, blank, kill me. And, end quote, reads the daughter's diary, which Maggie discovered in April 22, 2022, per the post-millennial. According to the girl's diary, the 12-year-old was washing her hands in the school's gender-neutral bathroom when an older male student entered the facility. The male student proceeded to, we'll, we'll skip the uh, details of the story, but I'm sure you can uh, figure out what happened there. It says, we learned that the kids were pledging allegiance to the pride flag instead of the American flag, Maggie said, adding she believed the school's embrace of transgender ideology allowed for her daughter's rape to occur. It goes on and says, we learned that some teachers were discussing daily the normalcy of transgender people and gender dysphoria, and that this school had a higher population than anyone would expect for such a small school of kids, saying they were trans and parents not knowing. Ray, now 13, said she felt pressure by teachers and faculty, faculty to accept gender-neutral bathrooms out of fear of, quote, judging someone who identifies as transgender. 
Independent Women's Forum reviewed the results of a medical exam confirming that she was, in fact, raped. And she goes, it goes, Maggie says, we have fought very hard to get our life back and survive this. It nearly took her life and mine. It leaves you feeling hopeless and isolated like a failure as a parent to not have known or not have been able to prevent it. Now we're going to skip the rest of this article. If you want to read the rest of this article, and maybe this would be uh, something to share with people who are struggling with this kind of situation and people who don't believe that these things are happening, perhaps you should check this article out and send it to them. Because sometimes we need to get hit across the head with a two by four in order to realize that these are real situations, that these are very, very bad, that there are real people out there being really hurt by these delusions. It is not charity. It is not goodness or being nice to treat the LGBT heresy with kid gloves. We are not being charitable by saying, oh, we don't need to just be nice to these people. We need to not be mean to them. These people are pushing ideologies that cause the raping of children. This is what we were, people were talking about whenever they were talking about Target uh, having gender-neutral bathrooms way back when. This was happening, and nobody said anything. And people, there was a small outrage. But overall, nobody cared. Everybody just kind of moved on. They're like, well, it's not affecting me personally. My kids will be fine. I cannot recommend anybody send their kids to a public school of any kind, even most private schools. This is a charter school. This is a charter school, and they're doing this. What are they doing at your kid's school, I wonder? What's happening at your child's school? Do you know? Do you think you know, but you actually don't know? We reported a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago at this point, about mothers who were volunteering at the school who are on their PTO board, who are involved in their schools and their, their children's lives, and yet they still were unaware of what was going on in the schools. It's not for lack of trying. It's just there's so much going on. How can you know it all? I personally, I don't, I don't think I could ever send my kids to a school. It's kind of a, a big deal for me that I want to have my kids homeschooled. It's a very, very big deal. And this is just one element of it. There's so many elements of it, but this is a big deal. So let's pray for this young lady, her mother, and all those who nobody knows about who have been in, in this exact same situation. We claim to live in, a, in an age who's with anti-rape age where we, everyone's talking about sexual abuse, and yet the most obvious cases of sexual abuse we not only do nothing about, but we encourage. So let's keep this in our prayers. Yeah. Now, this other story here is, uh, honestly, I, it's, it's really hard for me to care, to be honest. I'm like, I don't care that much about this story. But it is newsworthy, I suppose. House sends Biden impeachment articles to committees. The GOP-led House voted on Thursday to send articles of impeachment against President Joe Biden to a pair of committees. Now, 
this is, I mean, I guess this is good. I can't imagine this going forward anywhere. Um, my thoughts are that it's good that we fight back. It's good that we use power when we have it. But at the same time, it's really hard for me to be like, the kind of like with the whole situation when Hunter Biden came up. I didn't even talk about it all week because it was a big nothing burger and it's exactly what everybody expected it to be. Everyone expected Hunter Biden to get a plea deal and for nothing to happen. And then when everything shakes out, what happened? Nothing happened. Exactly what we expected. The thing that's only the only noteworthy thing about the situation is how blatantly obvious the media was about the situation. They were like, yeah, if it was anybody else, they definitely would have had the book thrown at them. But because it was Hunter Biden, we kind of let him off. That's, they almost they almost verbatim said that. And you're like, how on earth do you get away with that? But it's what we expect. And I guess that's the scandal. I guess that's really the scandal is how desensitized we are to the corruption in America. Uh, we like to make fun of other countries and talk about third world countries and banana republics and all these different things. And we try to say, yes, America, we have it right. We are the good guys. We are winning. Yet everywhere we turn, it's a government it's a justice system that plays favorites and that's the most shocking thing about it is that it's not shocking that it's not surprising that we expect it when we hear oh that person has an r after their name so obviously we know that person's gonna get in trouble oh that person has a d after their name so obviously they're gonna get off scot-free how do we know that before anything any other information about the trials with about the committees about the impeachments. How do we know what the result is going to be before it happens? Isn't that a scandalous? Isn't it scandalous that we already like, we don't, you're like, you're shrugging right now. You're like, yeah, that's the way it is. That's why that's just a system we live in. This is a, not the way it should be. The way it should be is for there to be justice. And justice is to give to someone what is due to them. Now, sometimes what is due to them is punishment. And that punishment should be meted out. And this is something that has been lost. This sense of justice. Instead, we have social justice. We had to create a new justice. Instead of just having plain old virtue of justice, we created social justice. We created egalitarianism. Instead of justice, we have fairness. Equity. Equity, equality, there is no such thing as equality. The only way that we have equality is that we are all made in the Imago Dei. We're all made in the image of God. Other than that, we're radically in unequal. Some people are born deaf. Some people are born blind. Some people are taller. Some people are shorter. Some people are more athletic. Some people are smarter. There are just different skills, abilities that people have. And we are unequal. It is a communist mentality, a, this idea of equality, egalitarianism really is what it is, is a destruction of our culture. And the funny thing about it is that they will preach egalitarianism, but in the same breath, just like the communist, they will say, oh, yes, we're all equal, all the same, except for uh, me and my buddies who get off scot-free, whatever we do. So well, let's have devotion to the Holy Face because devotion to the Holy Face, it was specifically 
created to combat the heresies of communism. And this is a big aspect of what we are facing right now. Now, finally, with the last couple seconds we have here, uh, I didn't really want to talk about the story, but everyone's talking about it. So the Ocean Gate situation. Uh, one, we pray for the souls, those who died. That's yeah. very sad, very tragic. It's always tragic when people die. Uh, but ultimately, I was like, why is this Why is this a national news story, international news story? I almost felt like there was kind of a, a distraction, but I guess it's kind of interesting. It's like unexpected to see something like that, a billionaire and uh, rich people getting into a, p- a hunk of metal and getting sunk down to the sea. It is, I guess it is a rather interesting story, but the, the catastrophically, they, uh, there was an implosion. Um, the P they presumably they have been, they are dead. Um, so we pray for their souls. I, I think it has a lot to do with the tragic aura of what happened in 1912 and the, with the Titanic collapsing, uh, sinking that day, that evening, the whole mis mystery, the whole, uh, the dangerous episode that ha- that happened that tragic day, and then it was memorialized somewhat with uh, reintroduced to the public knowledge. Uh, kind of people had it in, in their living memory still when James Cameron came out with the movie Titanic, and uh, and then combined with the fact that you we rarely hear anything of a civilian craft imploding in a, uh, under the seas because it re- a it rarely happens that anybody goes down in the seas it's usually just for research and and yeah. b it was yeah. tourists i think it's a very interesting and think it's i don't really yeah i guess there's interesting elements to it not sure why i don't know it's very strange it's very strange that, that billionaires would get into something like this I, he, they could like fund their own building of something way better, right? I don't yep. know. I don't know. Very interesting, but um, maybe we'll talk about it more if something interesting comes up. Lieber Christi, a field manual for spiritual combat, coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023, in the year of our Lord, and these are your headlines this morning. Catholic News Agency in Achi, Africa, reporting Father Marcellus Noahucha of the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate,
who was kidnapped on June 17th from Nigeria's Jos Archdiocese, has been freed. In a June 20th statement shared with Achi Africa, CNA's partner news agency in Africa, the superior of the order in Nigeria, Father Peter Claver, announced Noahucha's release from captivity after having been tortured, adding that he has deep wounds on his head. Claver expressed gratitude to God for the release of our confrere, Father Marcellus, whom he said was released the night of June 19, 20, and is currently in the hospital for treatment. Catholic News Agency is reporting more than half of the global population lives in a country in which state or non-state actors actively persecute people for their religious beliefs, according to the 2023 Religious Freedom in the World Report. The report was released on the first day of Religious Freedom Week. Aid to the Church in Need, a Catholic charity, published the report, which puts 28 countries in the red category for religious freedom, which denotes religious persecution. Catholic World News and Vatican News are reporting the Vatican has advanced the cause for the beatification of Sister Lucia de Jesus Rosa dos Santos. Sister Lucia, a Carmelite nun who passed away in 2005, was the last survivor among the three children to whom the Virgin Mary appeared at Fatima. The other seers, Francisco and Jacinta Marto, died in their youth and were canonized by Pope Francis in 2017. The dicastery for the causes of saints proclaimed in a decree issued June 22nd that Sister Lucia had lived a life of heroic virtue. She thus gains the title Venerable and is eligible for beatification if a miracle is attributed to her intercession. And finally, 1440 and Politico are reporting technical staff raised concerns about the size and weight of a Norfolk Southern train that derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, one day before the accident, according to new reports. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, it's kind of interesting you bring up Sister Lucia. I, I love Sister Lucia. Um, Our Lady Fatima, I have a great devotion to Our Lady Fatima. It's good to see that her cause for canonization is finally coming up. Yeah. Uh, she's been... I'm gone a little while, and at this point, I'm like, yeah, well, what are we, when are we going to get the ball rolling? Let's get started. Let's do some investigations. I'd be, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see that they're starting the process of her canonization. Can, can you imagine that we, you, Taylor, and myself, we were all alive when she was still alive, the seer that witnessed Our Lady and Fatima? Yeah, what year did you say she died? 2005. 2005. I barely, I barely made it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, joining us right now is Dr. Dan Snyder. He's an adjunct professor of theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, who has been involved in teaching and evangelization in the Catholic Church for nearly 20 years. A former amateur boxer, U.S. Army helicopter pilot, and Gulf War veteran, Dan has also worked for many years in Catholic Apostolate of Deliverance and Exorcisms, both at the diocesan level and as a founding member of Liber Cristo, a movement in conjunction with Father Chad Ripperger, which provides tools and resources for priests and lady working in the Apostolate of Exorcism. Good morning to you, Dr. Dan. Good morning, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It was very interesting. Uh, your book here, Liber Cristo, uh, Cristo, I thought it was very fascinating because I, I got a call from someone from Tan. They're like, oh, you might be interested in this book. And there's like a dozens of books on spiritual warfare. And so I was like, eh, no, I don't know. I'm not that interested. And I was looking into it and I was like, no, this is interesting. This is actually really interesting that this is a, seems a little bit different from a lot of other things that we've seen come out. 
Uh, so tell me about why you decided to produce this whenever we see, like, there are a dime a dozen of spiritual warfare books nowadays. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big topic. There's a lot of curiosity out there uh, around there. So you mentioned uh, uh, Sister Lucia. I quote I quote an interview with her in the book. And when she one, later in her life, she had, in an interview she said the battle with Satan in the, in the future will be over the family, and we're in this we're in that time now. And so um, this is not just a compilation. I write not just as a scholar. I write I try to write with scholarly rigor. Um, uh, it's an imprimatur book. So, but also I write with the family in mind that the average Catholic can pick this book up. This isn't a compilation of the saints or what the Bible says about. How I walk people through, uh, um, the, the, really I take down and I condense Father Ripperger's work with, uh, the science of mental health and dominion. And I put it into a, really a 12 step program of, for, for people to help, uh, get free of any, any evil influences. Uh, ultimately, it's just teaching people spiritual warfare is, is not as, as 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 fancy and tricky as, as people seem to think. It really is just what I would call smash mouth Catholicism, just grinding it out, living the Catholic faith, uh, practicing the sacraments, prayer. Most people don't know how to pray. They don't pray at all. And so teaching people how to pray, teaching people uh, when to pray, uh, uh, the prayer discipline, uh, the sacraments, tapping into the sacraments, all these things are very, very critical for us to, to, to defend ourselves and our families in, in these really, really interesting times that we live in. You know, okay, so that's very, I thought that was really, I think that's great. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, what's the purpose of this when your book opens up at the preface by Father Ripperger and he says, uh, that year we had 2,000 contacts, uh, we discussed cases with over 600 people, we saw 150 people. And of those 150 people, only three were possessed. So if only three out of 2,000 people he was in contact with in a year were possessed, do we, are we seeing that this is a necessity or is this something more for things that are not necessarily possession but other forms of demonic influence? So what, what is the purpose of this book? Yeah, the purpose of the book is to lead people to, to, to self-deliver ultimately. That, that... It's very giving. It's consistent with my own experience uh, as well, working with cases for the last 10 years, that cases of possession are extremely rare, extremely rare. So in, in father's statistics, you're looking at a half of a percent. That means 99 in, in a case of possession, um, that is usually uh, th- those are the trickiest. Those that require the full ecclesial authority of a mandated exorcist. Um, those take a lot of work, but but that means 99.5 percent of the cases of diabolic affliction can can deliver through the ordinary means of the Roman Catholic Church. And that's what this book attempts to do, is to help that 99.5% uh, of, 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 of people that come to the church for help, and also to help uh, everybody else, anyone like you and I that just want to clean up uh, our spiritual lives. Ultimately, Adrian, ultimately what this is, is a deep, a long, deep dive into Catholic tradition that leads you both to learn how to pray and also to a general confession, to identify those areas in your life that that you may have given permission to the evil one you know the scripture says that the devil stands before the throne of god day and night accusing the brethren so systematically one by one i try to walk the reader through how to how to how to give back take back those permissions and and live live in a state of grace so that's a good point to bring up is the sacrament of confession and i was actually just having a discussion yesterday about a general confession because there are many of us who have been have grown up catholic and we may have been living as Catholics for decades, not knowing how to make a good confession because we just had such bad catechesis. And now we finally realize 
oh my goodness, have all my confessions for the last 20 years been invalid? And out of peace of mind, I would say, uh, well, maybe maybe talk to your priest about a general confession. So what are your thoughts on the sacrament of confession related to spiritual warfare? And specifically, you mentioned a general confession. Yeah, so recently, Tan's got another book coming out on the uh, um, the, the official biography of, of uh, Father Gabriel Amorth. Father Riviger also did the introduction for that. I did some of the, the um, um, content editing of it um, as well. And and this is, and he's really the grandfather of this of this apostle, this ministry of exorcism in the modern age. He brought it back into the forefront at a time when it was really dismissed as something medieval, preconciliar, etc. He says that confession is much more powerful than exorcism. In confession, you take souls from Satan. In in in, in exorcism, you take bodies back. Because technically speaking, all that all the demon possesses is the body. Uh, the soul can be surrendered, but the, technically speaking, he possesses the body. And so he says one confession is worth worth 20 exorcisms, uh, one good confession. So it's very critical to, to, to understand the power of the, again, the ordinary means. And here's what I say in the book, that we fight an ancient enemy, and the ancient weapons are best. And so these ancient, part of these ancient weapons that we have at our disposal as Roman Catholics is the power of the sacrament of confessions. This is where we take souls back. This is where we, 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 we reclaim what belongs to Christ and give them back into the hands of God the Father. You know, it's interesting because in the sacrament of confession, without it, when we are in a state of mortal sin, uh, we are in the realm of the devil. We cannot merit anything and our souls, our exactly. intellect is weakened, our will is weakened, our intellect is darkened. Uh, could you tell me about the effects of mortal sin and why, on top of the issue of spiritual warfare, why we need to get to confession? Yeah, so, you know, in the Catechism it says the effects of confession are twofold. It darkens the intellect and weakens the will. And we find this in cases of, of possession. Part of the, the development of the four-phase protocol, Father Riverger, uh, and this is phase two of the four-phase protocol, um, is is identifying those areas that are obstacles to grace and and getting that soul meritorious. I would go into many many sessions and I would and we would prepare the person for for exorcism and and uh, I would ask the same question. So did you go to mass this weekend? Oh no, the the, the demon wouldn't let me. Did you hmm. go to confession? Oh no, the demon wouldn't let me. And so we're praying over somebody who's who who by, like you say, Adrian. That's good theology. That soul is not meritorious. We can pray for that soul. The priest can pray for that soul. We have to hold you right there, Dr. Dan. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick up where we left off. Plus, I want to ask about authority. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. You know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. 
Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. A beautiful day. And remember, as you see the sun rising in the morning, let that bring to mind the rising of the Son of God on Easter Sunday. A very beautiful, beautiful message. Something that we can always think about and always rejoice in, no matter how terrible things are in the world, no matter how the stresses and anxieties you can always remember that our Lord rose from the dead, not for everybody, but specifically for you, because he loved you. Joining us right now is Dr. Dan. He is the author of Liber Cristo, a manual of how to deal with spiritual warfare. A very excellent work here. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Dan. Thank you, Agent. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's very interesting to me. We talk a lot about the issue of authority. Uh, this has become a more well-accustomed topic in the, in the Catholic sphere. And I think it's very important because people fail to understand uh, where, where and why authority matters. And we were just talking about a couple minutes ago at how there is this milieu in the culture of communism of egalitarianism and say, oh, everybody's equal, everybody's the same, no one is better than anybody else, priesthood of all believers, and all these other things. And so now we have a lot of things that are have a good intentions, like deliverance ministries, where people will try to have lay persons try to do deliverance and things like that. Uh, tell me about authority and why it matters. Yeah, you, you, you make up, you, you make up a, a, a very insightful point, and that is there's a collapse, a general collapse today between the universal priesthood of the laity and the and the, the sacerdotal priesthood of the ordained. So which the Second Vatican Council clearly says they differ both in essence and degree. When you collapse those two, um, it, 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 the, the, a great havoc can happen in the church. And so the imposing of order, part of part of what our protocol and the experience of Father Ripperger and us that are working closely with him in cases is that the imposition of order is absolutely critical, that the demon responds to the rules of engagement. The demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. So imposing order is absolutely critical. Part of that is we establish uh, a set order of times for prayer, praying uh, ancient prayers, uh, uh, the, the, like the Angelus, for example, uh, um, the, the, the act of contrition, uh, etc. So imposing a, a set times of prayer, but also part of that order is reestablishing um, the authority structure in somebody's life. The authority structure is something, again, the demon works only in the objective. And so by, by imposing order of, the, of one's authority structure is very critical to liberation. I, I go into that in the book and expand upon what Father Ripperger writes in the introduction to his book, The Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity, and also kind of condensing from what's in Dominion. The twofold ends of the authority structure to provide and protect. And so, and so those head of households, for example, head of religious orders, priest, etc., whatever your office is, uh, within the mystical body and within natural law, as in the case of parents and fathers of head of households, that imposition of order and establishing right order is very, very important for, for liberation. 
Now, what are the risks if you violate that? And people may say, okay, well, maybe we should, but what would happen if I didn't? Well, the temptation, so the, the, twofold, the twofold ends of, or, of, of the authority structures to provide and protect, the temptation is always for, to, to, to either uh, abdicate your authority or to usurp the authority over, over somebody who is over you. And the barometer is, is retaliation. So, so when, we, when we can see what this book tries to do is teach people how to safely handle uh, the diabolic in your life and, and to do it in a very orderly way without becoming obsessed with the diabolic. Um, and so that, but the, the, the barometer, we say, is retaliation. If you step outside of your authority structure and try to drive demons out outside of that, you could be retaliated against. This is our experience, and, and this, is, this is what we see from tradition as well. That's interesting. And, okay, this kind of makes me think of uh, over maybe around uh, page 50 or so, you talk about uh, spiritual bonds between people, or I believe you say soul ties. Now, this is an interesting concept to me. I haven't really heard about this, and it sounds like this kind of, um, that it relates to the authority structure in some way, where you're kind of giving authority over to an individual, but it's, in a, but it's perverse. Um, can you explain this situation to me? Right. Authority, authority is something that flows through office. And this is a key distinction that we need to make that it's it's through it's through it's through office that authority comes in. And and, and that that would dictate it. it isn't charism. It isn't gift. You might have a certain gift. You might have certain gifts that, that, that you know, gifts freely given. <clears throat> but your authority structure in the objective realm, remember, the demon only works in the objective. He doesn't care about the subjective in the objective reality. The authority flows through office, and when you abdicate that authority, or you or you you create soul ties with other people through certain unholy acts, um, that needs to be that needs to be repaired, uh, beginning through the sacrament of confession. That's very interesting, and here is a um, a I suppose in certain certain circles a very controversial topic. Uh, lesson three, you have a the, the uh, section here on the occult and generational sin. And I know there are many people who would deny that generational sin exists, uh, generational mm-hmm. spirits exist. Uh, so why do you think, uh, what is your position on this, and uh, how would you defend it against people who would say, no, no, there cannot be generational sin. It's clear, Scripture says, that uh, the child doesn't suffer the sins of their father. So what say you, Dr. Dan? Yeah, I would just, follow, I would just point to, to uh, St. Augustine, Doctor of Grace, Doctor of the Church, um, in, in his in his debate with Julian of Eclanum uh, and the Pelagians, he very clearly shows in a distinction between the sin and the and the effect of the sin. And so uh, the, the the sin itself that God punishes, he says very clearly, God himself says multiple times in the Pentateuch, I will punish the sins of the father and their children. So the effect of the sin uh, carries on to the children. This is a critical th- this is something you're right. This is something that 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 is that is not fleshed out clearly. Uh, in theological circles, so so understand the difference, between, the distinction between the 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 the, the sin itself, infection, or five, for example, that I will punish the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation. So the effect of that, and and, and Augustine uses this to defend the dogma of the of of the uh, um, of the original sin. So we have the effect of original sin is death and concupiscence. And what he and what we, we can see original sin is a privation of grace. So it isn't so much it can be seen also not so much as uh, uh, of a, this punishment, but as a privation of grace. And so original sin is a lack of grace. It's a lack of something, the fullness, the protection of grace. 
And so too with generational, generational curses, what Augustine would call inherited guilt. Uh, this guilt is inherited is really a privation of the grace of the protection of blessing. And this is how St. Augustine argues it. You know, it's very interesting to me. Uh, two thoughts whenever you, as you're speaking there, I, I've talked about this with other people in private before, and I always give the analogy of, I think generational spirits uh, must exist. And you just think about the fact that on a natural level, if a father squanders all his uh, family's wealth gambling, well, then it affects his kids and his children's children uh, unto the third and fourth generations. And so how much so more in the spiritual life um, grace builds on nature and vice in the spiritual world builds on vice in the natural world. And so it just seems to make sense to me. And a personal anecdote, a friend of mine who had Freemasons in his family uh, did the prayers in Father Ripperger's uh, book for use with the laity. And afterwards, he had uh, there was had profound effect in his family. And um, as he finished the prayers, he had uh, he said that they felt like something just like removed from the house and knocked over. Uh, some of their religious items that were on their shelves. And he was like, no, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. They, were, they weren't teetering on anything. They could not have been fallen off naturally. It must have been knocked off. And so I just kind of see those good things kind of happen. Have you witnessed these uh, things that, in, uh, in your personal life? That is 100% consistent with our experience. Um, another, another scripture in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus goes to the, the boy with the demon, um, and he goes to the father, remember Mark chapter 9, uh, how long, he asked him, how long is this, has this been happening? And the father says in Greek, uh, ex paideothen, Jerome translates this, ab infantia, from his infancy, since he was, as we would say in Ohio, since he was a little feller, since he was a tiny little guy, he's, this has been happening to him. And so, and so, um, so how could that be? How could there be, uh, the, 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 you know, how could this be otherwise? We also see this with uh, the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was, it wasn't her daughter, it was her little daughter, whose scripture would, argue, you know, I would argue from scripture is a prepubescent child. How can this be with children being afflicted? It's the effect of the sin upon the children and not the sin itself. Uh, the spiritual guilt of that sin belongs to the, to the one who commits it, but the effect. In fact, in, in, in Ezekiel 18, um, where it says the, children eat, the parents eat the grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, St. Augustine said this is a prophecy. This is a prophecy pointing to the effects of baptism, removing the guilt of baptism. And so, and so what your, your friend described, I could give you uh, uh, 20 stories that are exactly consistent with that, with exactly what he experienced. Yeah, that's very interesting to me. I mean, it's like one—it's one thing to you know theorize about these things and to write about these things, but then I, when you see it being experienced by people you know, um, and it's and it's you—you right. you have a theory, you test a theory, and it turns out to seem to be true. It's very hard to argue with. Now, I want to switch over to evil influence. Now, this happens with uh, friends, family, uh, but also what we listen to, what we hear, uh, groups that we associate with. Um, may what we surround ourselves with in terms of art and other things like that. So let's uh, talk about that for just a moment. Uh, what are these influences? How are they bad? And how can we kind of reject those? Yeah, we, in the book, I speak about that interactive diabolic activity that, again, the demon has no rights if you, uh, over a soul. Pers- if the soul is baptized by right, that soul belongs to Jesus Christ. That, that, that's it. Now, he'll take permissions, and there's an interactive nature to diabolic activity. There's a, there, there is a, it's a two-way street. So when permissions are granted, permissions are taken. And so, so part of this, 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 this regimen is a, it's, it's working through uncovering those areas in my life. Man, I did this. 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I, I've, you know, had cases, you know, um, you know, I practiced contraception my whole, my whole marital life. And I finally stopped. I realized it was wrong, but I never confessed it. I did this particular act of, you know, I, I went to and, and participated in this ritual. I went to the curandera. Uh, uh, um, you know, I did these things, but I've, but I've never done anything with it, with it. And so hovering over the person, again, a curse, like original sin, a curse is like a privation of grace. There's, there's a privation of blessing, of the protection of blessing. And so this, this is why uh, uh, when, we, when, we, when we lower the shield as fathers, for example, we lower the shield and we participate in evil, looking at pornography, et cetera, we're, we're no longer providing protection for our families. And so what, and so what we do is, is in the book is try to air, identify those areas. Remember, specificity is critical. I can tell you this as, a, as an attack helicopter pilot who flew in combat. Being precise, you can shoot all the missiles and rockets you want, but, you, but you've got to be precise in your target. So this is an area of spiritual warfare that precision is absolutely critical. And I Amen. try to walk the reader through that. Amen. We're just about out of time. Uh, where can people find the book? Where can people find more information? Yeah, more information, LibraCristo.org. And you can buy the book at uh, Tan Books. Just type in uh, Tan Books, Libra, the Libra Cristo Method, and, you, and it'll send you a link there and, and I think a discount code as well. Very good, and we'll definitely have to have you back because we barely scratched the surface of yeah. this uh, this giant tome, and I, I'm very intrigued by this. I think it's very good. So God bless you, Dr. Dan, and we'll definitely have to have you back on. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. God bless you guys today. God bless you. And that's going to do it for the first hour. If you can join us, stay with us. We're going to be talking about devotion to the Sacred Heart coming up in the next hour. So stick with us. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Monday through Friday. And remember, come on to our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There, we're going to be going through the St. Robert Bellarmine Catechism together. Let's get churched up. Let's know the faith. We'll be right back with more after this. My heart wasn't really in um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse. And I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete, and at home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible, so it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, 
I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston. The Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. A really excellent conversation we just had with Dr. Dan. A very interesting conversation. i very intrigued. I'm definitely going to have to invite him back on because there's a lot of really good information out there. And a couple of topics I wanted to talk about, especially the science of mental health. I want to discuss that as well. Something that hasn't really been talked about too much in our day. Uh, at least not well. It hasn't been talked about well in our day. But I did want to bring up Devotion to the Sacred Heart. Uh, starting tomorrow, tomorrow around 1 o'clock, there's going to be a rosary rally to about dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And at the rosary rally, there's going to be prayers of acts of reparation of the Sacred Heart and the consecration of Texas to the Sacred Heart. It's going to happen in San Antonio. I'm going to try to make a trip out there and I drive out tomorrow morning. Um, spend the day in San Antonio, and then drive back for the evening. And if you can join me, I'd be very grateful. I'd love to see you, so come out there. But I was thinking about the act of reparation of the Sacred Heart, because we're going to be praying this prayer after the Rosary March. And I was wondering, where did this prayer come from? And I realized that it came from Pope Pius XI, so I did some digging and found the document in which Pope Pius XI actually put this prayer in, where he created this prayer. It was written in 1928. Now, I want to pray this prayer with you and then maybe we'll discuss what Pius XI had to say. But let's say this prayer together as a community, as a family. We'll pray this prayer and make an act of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus a, during this horrible time. It's a very beautiful prayer. It's a little long, um, but I think it's it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile because in the prayer it explains and talks about those things in which we wound the most sacred heart by our actions. And so I think it's something that's good and worthy of praying even in, in full. Uh, so pray with me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, Behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you. Their shepherd and leader, or renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. 
we are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty in unbecoming dress and behavior. For all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violation of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege, of the very sacrament of your divine love, and lastly for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which you have founded. Would, O divine Jesus, we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor, the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father on the cross, and which you continually renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints, and the pious faithful on earth. And we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life unwavering faith of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O oh, loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model and reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home, where with the Father and the Holy Ghost you live and reign God forever and ever Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A very beautiful prayer, a very long prayer. Maybe something worthy of getting your family together and saying this prayer. And the thing that's very interesting to me are the things that, that Pope Pius XI lists here. He says, amongst the manifold offenses, he includes here as number one, the first thing he lists, against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior. And I think that's interesting because for some reason yesterday, I was just thinking about profanity. I really dislike profanity. And I had posted on, on Twitter and on Facebook, this uh, little comment. I said, no matter what anyone says, profanity is not manly or cool. Cussing quote unquote is incredibly unattractive. Such a low form of speech only succeeds and lowering, lowering yourself and society. Instead, strive to inculcate elevated speech so that way we may be disposed to converse with the angels. And this is something I really believe. I, I really think this is true. And this goes along with our dress. This goes along with our comportment because this is how we show ourselves outwardly to others. What, is that, what does that mean exactly? The externals reflect the internals. And the internals reflect the externals. So if we dress in an unbecoming way, if we speak in an unbecoming way, then internally we will become unbecoming. Yet if we 
exude in our external experiences. Obviously, you cannot judge a book by its cover necessarily because you could present yourself as a good person but internally are wicked. But But typically, rather, typically, it is in fact the case that how you show yourselves is how you are. And so do you dress in a way that's unbecoming of Christian modesty? Whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. This goes for men and women. And do you speak in an unbecoming way? And again, this doesn't matter. Are you a man or a woman? It does not matter. Do you speak in an unbecoming way? Just because you're a man doesn't make it okay to use foul and vulgar language. Just because you're a man, that does not make it the case. Now, we kind of have this revulsion when women use that kind of language, and rightfully so, as women are more of the delicate sex. They are more disposed towards spiritual things, which is why women are typically disposed towards higher degrees of holiness because they are naturally disposed to that. And so, and for the same reason, it tends to be more gross, more averse whenever we hear women being vulgar than we do when men do it. But nonetheless, men and women both should avoid vulgarity, should avoid quote-unquote cussing, should avoid foul language. It's unbecoming. And it lowers it lowers our intellect as well. Because then instead of using good language, instead of using sophisticated language, instead of learning to speak and express ourselves with eloquence and charm, we decide to denigrate the language and speak in a very vulgar manner. It is a very unfortunate situation. And the thing that's most interesting to me is this idea that a low form of speech and a low form of dress denigrates yourself and brings you low down to the ground, down to the earth, to the level of the animals. Because remember, we as humans are body, soul composites. We are a rational animal. That is what we are. So what are we going, what's going to be the response that we make? Are we going to go to the animal nature and go to the earth of the ground and crawl in our belly like the snake? Or will we be further disposed to our rational nature, to our soul, to that which is angelic, that which is the imago dei, and relift ourselves? I completely agree. It comes down to making choices. God made us in his image. So we were rational beings, as you were saying. We have reason. We can think things through. We understand what we can do. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we ha- we have to do it or we- we're allowed to do it. It's, it's That's what freedom is. It's, it's uh, what we ought to do, not what we want to do. And when we do that, we denigrate ourselves correctly. Well said. It's it, it's it's mind-boggling when people out there. I, I know the culture is very coarse. It's really bad, but yeah, yeah it, it's it's disconcerting. Now, Pius XI, commenting in this document where he includes the prayer, he says, "Throughout those regions, indeed, we see that all rights, both human and divine, are confounded. Churches are thrown down and overturned. Religious men and sacred virgins are torn from their homes." and are afflicted with abuse, with barbarities, with hunger and imprisonment. Bands of boys and girls are snatched from the bosom of their mother, the church, and are induced to renounce Christ, to blaspheme, and to attempt the worst crimes of lust. The whole Christian people, sadly disheartened and disrupted, are continually in danger of falling away from the faith or of suffering the most cruel death. 
These things in truth are so sad that you might say that such events foreshadow and portend the beginning of sorrows. That is to say that those that shall be brought by the man of sin, who is lifted up above all that is called God or is worshipped. But it is yet more to be lamented, venerable brethren, that among the faithful themselves, washed in baptism with the blood of the Immaculate Lamb and enriched with grace, there are found so many men of every class who laboring under an incredible ignorance of divine things and infected with false doctrines far from their father's home lead a life involved in vices." a life which is not brightened by the light of true faith, nor gladdened by the hope of future beatitude, nor refreshed and cherished by the fire of charity, so that they truly seem to sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Moreover, among the faithful, there is a greatly increasing carelessness of ecclesiastical discipline and of the, those ancient institutions of which all Christian life rests by which domestic society is governed and the sanctity of marriage is safeguarded. The education of children is altogether neglected or else it is deprived by too many indulgent blandishments. And the church is even robbed of the power of giving the young, the young a Christian education. There is a sad forgetfulness of Christian modesty, especially in the life and the dress of women. There is an unbridled cupidity of transitory things, a want of moderation in civic affairs, an unbounded ambition of popular favor, a deprecation of legitimate authority, and lastly, a contempt for the word of God, whereby faith itself is injured or is brought into proximate peril. Pope Pius XI, he goes on and speaks much further about this. It's a 21-paragraph article not too long i highly recommend reading all of it this was 1928 my friend 1928 he promulgated this may 8th 1928 he composed this prayer talking about the denigration of women's clothing talking about the education of our children talking about the perversion of our children the temptations to lust 1928 our Lady of Fatima appeared in 1917, and she told us that more sins go to hell because of sins of the flesh than any other sin. 1917, Our Lady of Fatima said that. 1928, Pius XI writes this prayer and exhorts us to reparation. We're living in the year 2023. What has changed? It's only gotten worse. So much more the opportunity to make reparation and to change our lives, have a amendment of life. We've all failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the kingdom of God. But today, you and I, let's choose together. Let's choose to fight for virtue this day. Let's fight for heavenly ideals, for the heavenly kingdom. Let's work it out with fear and trembling. And speaking of fear and trembling, we are going into our fear and trembling game show where you could be a winner 877-757-9424. Call now. We always take the first caller. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call now. We take the first caller. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling. We're giving out the prize today. So call now. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show. And you could be a winner. That number, 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller and you could win the prize. You may be thinking, okay, well, what am I calling in for? What is going on right here? Well, you're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show where we have three Catholic trivia questions. And here's the catch. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm going to ask Tito the question. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Well, when we draw that name from the coffee cup of divine providence, the fear and trembling prize for today is a Sacred Heart t-shirt from For His Glory Company. For His Glory Company provides high-quality, one-of-a-kind Christian t-shirts and products not found in stores. Their website is hisgloryco.com. Hisgloryco.com. Thank you very much to hisgloryco.com for generously sponsoring yeah. our game show. We're very grateful. And today's the day when we get out the prize, so a great opportunity to win. Now, joining us right now is Yvonne. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning. Uh, where are you calling from? San Antonio. San Antonio, the great city of San Anthony, the spiritual capital of Texas, I like to say. Padua. Very good. We love San Antonio, Texas. Now, are you going to be uh, joining us at the Rosary March from the Alamo to the Cathedral? I didn't know it was going to happen, but I will be there. Ah, there you go. All right, right. Praise be to God. I got, I got another one. 
We got another one. We're going to have to uh, recruit as many people. I'm going to be out there, so uh, I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Yvonne, where are you off to this morning? Uh, to work. To work. Uh, you're working at the Alamo, I suppose. You're um, giving yes. a tour there. <laughs> Actually, I'm a babysitter. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Fun. that's cool too. Yes, yes, we like we like babies. We like babies. I was hoping that you were like giving tours of the basement of the Alamo, but that's all right too. That's, <laughs> that's all where right the pool too. is. I've heard that. I heard that's where Pee Wee Herman parked his bike. Uh, so I have to go check that out when I, when I come visit. So I'm very excited to go see that. But I haven't been to the Alamo many times. I was actually just at the Alamo a couple weeks ago. My family and I went out to San Antonio, and we went to go see uh, the Alamo for the uh, 800th time. But, you know, you never forget. You never forget. I always remember the Alamo. It's, it's true. Oh. I always do. Well, uh, Yvonne, it's uh, very good to have you on. You're familiar with the game show. You're a repeat caller, no? This is my first time. Oh, this is your first Whoa. time. Well, welcome. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought I recognized your voice, but that's very good. We love to have first-time callers on. Well, are you familiar with how the game works? Do you know how to play? Yes. Okay, good. So then you know. you got to be careful because uh, Tito can be a little tricky sometimes, so you got to keep your ears open. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Well, let's do it. All right, Tito. All right. Are you ready, Tito? Oh, I'm ready. Let's get charging. All right, charging. Um, well, you know, when I... It's Friday. That reminds me, whenever I wreck my vehicle, someone... I'd drive a Dodge Ram, and people were telling me, like, Adrian, the problem was you had too much Ram and not enough Dodge. And I was oh. like, ooh, that's rough. It's Dad Joke Friday. Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> question on the board. The question on the board. What prominent heresy did the first council of Nicaea condemn? Adrianism. Adrianism? No, no, I'm kidding. Islam. <laughs> Islam. Okay, yeah. okay. Islam. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I did not know the heresy of Adrianism, but um, I'm sure that, I, that there's going to be a bishop out there who's going to create the uh, the heresy of Adrianism and condemn me. I'm looking forward to it. Um Hopefully, I, I predict it'll be Pope Fi Pope Pius the fifth, the second. Pope Pius the fifth, the second. Okay, we love to see it. All right, Yvonne. The question on the board: What prominent heresy did the First Council of Nicaea condemn? Fifteen seconds on the clock. The answer that Tito gave is Islam. Uh, what say you, Yvonne, from San Antonio, Texas? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I'm going to say that he's correct. Are you sure you're going to go correct? Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, Ouch. oh no. <laughs> Actually, uh, the first council of Nicaea uh, predates the religion of Islam by like a 700 lot. years. Yeah. By like 700 years. So... It's all right. That's all right. You got. Uh, we still have two more opportunities, and I'm sure I'm looking at these other two questions here, and I think you're going to get the rest of these right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number two. Here is question number two. Tito. Okay. Martial relations between a married person and someone other than their spouse is called this. What is it? Ooh, let's see. There's uh, ordinary ministers, and then you've got extraordinary ministers. So I'd say extraordinary relations or extra relations. Extra relations. Yeah. 
So it's just bonus points. You just, uh, just get extra. Uh, probably demerit points. Oh, well, you just not really a bonus. You get, a, you get an extra, an extra spouse. Extra login. We're still talking about Islam. <laughs> okay. All right. Ooh. All right, Yvonne. Uh, the question on the board is: Marital relations between a married person and someone other than their spouse is called this. 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think it's called extra relations. Uh, what say you, Yvonne, from the great city of St. Anthony? No. No, she says. Let's see. That is correct. It is not called Excellent. extra relations. It is called adultery. Um, we can. There you go. Very good. Very good, Yvonne. You're doing a wonderful job. You're in the coffee cup of Divine Providence one time to win the prize. So that is a pretty good odd still so far. Uh, are you ready to jump into question number three? Yes. Oh, I forgot to tell the right answer. The right answer is adultery. Everybody yeah. knows that, right? You knew that. <laughs> adultery. The, the correct answer is adultery is marital relations between a married person and someone other than their spouse yeah. as adultery. If it's with someone who's uh, not married, then it's fornication. So there you go. All right. Question number three. Are you ready, Yvonne? I'm ready. All right. Let's I'm do ready it. Too. Let's do it. Uh, ready, Tito? I'm ready to go. That's right. No Freddy's here. No the question number three is, quadracima is the Latin word for this liturgical season. Ah, uh, Latin. Uh, quadracima. That's something to do with four. But uh, it would be Lent. And I've learned that attending TLM. There you go. So you're saying quadracima because qua refers to four, like 40. Exactly. Oh, yep, that makes 40 sense. 40 days of Lent. That makes sense. I'm following. I'm picking up what you're putting down, as the cool kids might say. Cool kids. The cool kids. I, will people say that still? Picking up what you're putting down? I don't think so. Uh, okay, well, no. I'm old, so, you know, <laughs> back in my day, we used to say that. Uh, all right, Yvonne. Teens. The question on the board is, Quadracima is the Latin word for this liturgical season. 15 seconds of the clock, Yvonne. What? Whoa, she got the <laughs> answer right without even guessing the answer. There you go, Yvonne. Uh, what say you, Yvonne? He says it is Lent. What say you? Yes. She says yes. There we go. There we go. Uh, we're getting it. We're getting it together. Yeah. Uh, you got the answer correct. It is, in fact, Lent. So you got two out of three so far. We're very good. Also, a quick correction. There was not 700 years between Nicaea and Islam. It was 235 years between them. Still um, I was thinking because Islam was created in the 7th century was what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so mea culpa. But we're shaking up the coffee cup of divine providence. The drum is rolling. And we're going to pull out a person. We're drawing a name. And the winner is... Yvonne? Yvonne! Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you! Yay! Way to go, Yvonne. We love to see it. We Congratulations. You are, in fact, our winner. Uh, so how do you feel? I am very happy. Very good. Very good. So you got two out of three, and yet you still won. What does that tell you, everybody? That tells you... The odds are always in your favor. So praise be to God. Very, very good. 
Well, Yvonne, yeah. I am looking forward to uh, meeting you tomorrow uh, the, at the Rosary March. It's going to be a meeting at the uh, San Antonio Mission. I think it's actually a San Antonio de Valero Mission, the, or the Alamo. And they're walking to San Fernando Cathedral starting at 1 p.m. So I'll be driving down there tomorrow morning, and I'll spend the day over there. Uh, so I look forward to meeting you and anyone else who wants to come out from San Antonio. Yes, and bring a lot of water because you're going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, we, I don't know. Is San Antonio hotter than Houston? Yeah, that's the real question. Yeah. That's the real uh, question. Sometimes that it is. I'm just hoping that we have cloud cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too. Or maybe I'll bring an umbrella. Uh, Smart. There you go. Yeah. All righty, Yvonne. I'm going to put you on hold, and then, so we'll be able to get you on, uh, get your contact information to send you the prize. But God bless you. God love you. And we'll have you, uh, we look forward to meeting you tomorrow. Thank you. All right. And put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, we're going to be there. So that's going to be on Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. If you join us there, we're going to have a conversation. Whatever it is you want to talk about. There are a lot of really cool things that we could discuss. For instance, uh, the game show. I'm curious to know uh, what you think about the game show. We're going to be talking about making a little bit of changes to the game show. So they're going to talk about that, and I'm going to get y'all's input. Very curious to know what you think. Uh, plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the St. Robert Bellarmine Catechism series we're going through. Uh, if you want to join us, go join our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you want to get in on the Robert Bellarmine Catechism series, that's how you do so. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, but if not, we'll see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll, hopefully we'll see you in the after show. And maybe I'll see you in San Antonio tomorrow morning. Or afternoon, rather. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt Community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Friday of week 11 in Ordinary Time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening on the Guadalupe Radio Network and on our online viewers.
Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, Grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands, we may please you by our resolve and our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. To my shame I say that we too weak. But what anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking in foolishness, I also dare. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they children of Israel? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I am talking like an insane person. I still more, I am still more with greater labors, far more improvements, far worse beatings, and numerous rushes with death. Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I passed a night and a day on the deep, on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own race, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, through hunger and thirst, through frequent fastings, through cold and exposure. And part from these things, there is the daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is led to sin? 
am I not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The responsorial psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. From all my, their distress, God rescues the just. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. From all their distress, God rescues the just. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy and your faces may not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard and from all his distress, he saved him. From, from all, all their, their distress, distress God, God rescues the just. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and decay destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor, decay, not moth nor decay destroys, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be in darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great will the darkness be? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading, Paul, he does a little boasting. It's interesting because in another place he says, do not boast. There's nothing to boast about. When you look about what he speaks about, he's not really boasting so much of him about himself but rather the ministry that has been entrusted to him, and in fact, the grace of God that has really transformed his life. So it's true that he has, he has definitely struggled and toiled more than most of the apostles. But what was going on in the context was that there were many who, were, who had come to Corinth and were sort of leading people astray by a kind of, we might say, a bit of a health and wealth kind of gospel. And St. Paul, he was not an eloquent speaker. He did not come with this sort of force of words. He, he just didn't have that sort of gentle touch in terms of, 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 of proclaiming the gospel, but he had the spirit. And so he was, com he was complaining to the Corinthians that, you know, somebody comes and they pre preach another gospel and he seemed to follow it very easily. He says, I came rather, rather in fear and trembling to proclaim the gospel to you, but to proclaim the true gospel. He says, this is all that I've had to struggle for that gospel. It's interesting because the very end, his conclusion is that I should boast of my weakness because it is then that I am strong. 
it's interesting because he's not he's sort of laying up a whole series of, of successes that he's had and saying, see, look at how good I am or look at how, how, how influential I am. But rather, look at all the things, shipwrecks, beatings, nearly dead, nearly gone to death, been, been trade, so on, so on and so forth, all these different things. For what? So that through my weakness, God's power can be revealed. That's a very different uh, conclusion that we would probably like to go, we would go to if, if we were boasting. You know, we would say, look at how good I am. Paul said, not look at how good I am, look at how good God is. Because, so, you see, you see my weakness, then you can see the glory and the power of God. How well do we boast in our own weaknesses? We don't like our weakness, we like to hide them. We put makeup on them, or these blemishes, we all do all kinds of things to hide those things. But Paul says, no, look at, if you see my weakness, then you can see the glory, the power of God manifested through that. It kind of touches a little bit upon the gospel today. Jesus continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, we're there sort of at the feet of Jesus on the mountain. And he teaches us kind of two things. First, to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. He ends by saying that little section, for, for where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. What do we value the most? What do we talk about the most? These are things, where, this is where our heart is. Or if you're not sure where your treasure lies, in prayer, what are your distractions? <laughs> That's usually where our heart wants to wander toward. Or if we don't pray, what is keeping us from praying? Because there's where our treasure is too. If, if, we're, if we're doing all kinds of things, looking up all kinds of unimportant things on the internet and so on and so forth, and that is keeping us from going into prayer, well, then we can tell where our treasure is. It's not perhaps completely in the Lord. And our distractions, as I mentioned, in prayer sort of reveal to us what, see, what is very important and for us and, and to us. So through that, so the Lord can begin to sort of purify our hearts so that, we, that we, we really place our treasure completely in him, not in the things of this world that are going to pass away. And it kind of leads us to the second thing that Jesus talks about. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. And if it's not, if it is bad, then it will be filled with darkness. Each time I read that passage, I always think back to St. Lucy. You ever see an image of St. Lucy? Um, she had apparently these beautiful eyes, and she wanted to pluck out her eyes because, so, that, so that men would not desire her. But she's always holding a little platter with these eyes on it, these two little eyes that are looking at you. So I was thinking of that line, here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> but really, it's, it's, she's, it's her eyes wanted to be complete, her eyes for the Lord, for your eyes only, to keep her sight completely on the Lord. Anyway, she suffered martyrdom, and she reminds us, I think, that uh, was something that St. John calls the concupiscence of the eyes. That is really, when we set our sights, we use that expression, on an inordinate desire for the, for the gifts, for instance, for things like luxury, wealth, money, we could even put honor in there. And we seek those things with our eyes. Rather, what comes from that, when we, when we put our, our heart and our treasure, our eyes, seek these things, it leads to a kind of avarice, which we make then this particular thing a god. Or we adore it, we sacrifice to it our time, strength, or even our family, or sometimes even our eternity. We'll sacrifice for this particular thing, which will pass away, which moths will eat and decay. I always find it kind of interesting that it was the Venetians who, took, who made sure that they had the relics of St. Lucy brought to Venice, where they still are today, so that people could come and venerate. 
And it's interesting because it was in the height of their sumptuous glory, their decadence, that they made St. Lucy a home for her relics in Venice. It may have not have been for the purest motives, because, well, she was a well-beloved saint, and it brought many pilgrims. Which, what did it bring? It brought more money. But it perhaps it was something in the Venetian spirit that recognized a need to refocus their sight on spiritual wealth. Having her there helped them to be able to take their sight to, to focus on their what is the true treasure that they should be seeking. Is this maybe perhaps the origin of Venetian blinds? To take away the, the sight from things out in the world so that they could focus the interior sight on the Lord? Well, maybe not, but the Lord did remind us, you know, if your eye, our right eye offends you, to pluck it out so that we can, our, we can keep our sights on the Lord and keep our true treasure where it belongs. May the light of God's glory shine in our hearts through our eyes and we keep the Lord as our greatest treasure. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Let us pray for peace among nations that delivered from all turmoil, that peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. And for ourselves gathered here, and those who are joining us through Guadalupe Bay Radio and online, that in the spirit of the gospel today, we may make Christ our treasure, our deepest treasure, and honor him and glorify him by our life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Finally, remember those who have died and for the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting, they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, we adore you, lay our hands before you, how we love you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth, the work of human hands, will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O God, who in the offering presented here provide for the twofold needs of human nature, nourishing us with food and renewing us with your sacrament, grant we pray that the sustenance they provide may not fail us in body or in spirit. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in his fullness. For though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, and by the blood of his cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore he has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uceri et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui benedicti Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. Save us, Savior, Savior of, the of the world, 
for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you, you take, take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Holy Father, 
Keep in your name those you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, says the Lord. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tui, imurieribus, et benedictus frutus ventris tui, Jesus. For those unable to receive communion at this time, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. As this reception of your holy communion, O Lord, foreshadows the union of the faithful in you, so may it bring about unity in your church through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, et spes nostra salve, a te clamare. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston.